Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You, hosted by Toby Jenkins, a marriage and family therapist associate serving Central Kentucky. Each week, Toby will bring you a show with a topic related to mental health, relationships, or self-improvement. The name of the show, Paradigms, comes from that moment in the therapy process when a profound shift in perspective happens for a client, an epiphany sometimes accompanied by physical reaction that leads them to look at things differently and make significant steps towards improving and enriching their lives. You're listening to Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You. I'm your host, Toby Jenkins. Today, our topic is stress and farming. Um, we know that um, farmers have been under a lot of stress, um, especially over the last couple of years. Matter of fact, uh, one of my favorite sh- news shows to watch is Vice and uh, Vice News. airs on HBO around 7.30 in the evening, and they did a two-part segment that really uh, touched me. The first part of the segment focused on a small rural community in Missouri And these are mostly soy farmers and the impact of the tariffs on them, because these farmers are working with very thin margins financially. And soy farmers in particular, as China um, retaliated with uh, tariffs on soy, a lot of them are feeling the pressure and um, don't know how they're going to make ends meet. But there's a particular farmer they, they focused on, and this farmer in the previous year had attempted suicide. Um, the attempt failed, but through his uh, failed suicide attempt, he realized that uh, other farmers are feeling this pressure and stress as well. And he formed an informal group of other farmers. And sure enough, all the other farmers were under the same kind of stress and pressure, but had no one to talk to. So this group has been in existence for a little over a year, and they've worked really hard to support each other through these tough times in the soybean market. Now, as a city kid growing up in Charlotte, North Carolina, I had limited access to the farming community until I moved to Iowa in 1995. And I worked side by side with people who, were, who either grew up on farms or were working where I was working and still going back and working on our family farms. But there are a couple of things about this community I learned. Uh, number one, there's some hardworking people. Um, and they grow up working really, really hard. Number two, they can fix anything. (laughs) uh, Mechanically, they're awesome. Um, There's no problem that's too big because uh, my perception is there's a lifetime of when something breaks, you have to learn how to fix it. And so I've learned to appreciate the farming community and the work ethic, the creativity, and You know, the combination of those two things and financial stress um, and pressures of farming are a recipe for for a lot of uh, mental health issues. But as we know, uh, the least likely demographic of people to go seek out mental health are men. We also know coming off of um, Suicide Prevention Month that the uh, most successful or the demographic with the highest success rate of suicide are white men in their 50s. And so these two worlds collide a lot. So today's guest is Dr. Deborah Reed, works in the uh, UK College of Agriculture, Food, and Environment. 
and she's a professor of nursing for over 27 years. She herself grew up on a farm, and her passion has been helping farmers work through the stresses and pressures of, um, of, of running a farm. So uh, welcome to the show, Dr. Reed. I'm glad you're able to join us today. Now, I was reading your bio a little bit, and there's a lot more than what I said. Um, so um, tell me about growing up on a farm. Oh, well, growing up on a farm is fantastic. Um, as a child, I remember helping my dad. This was a 200-acre beef cattle tobacco farm uh, in Woodford County. Um, I have two brothers, two sisters, and they're all older than me, and they have all been lifelong farmers. So really, I was the renegade on the farm and uh, decided I was watching them work, and I thought, this is really way too hard. I need to do something else with my life. So I decided I'd go to college, and I became a nurse. So I um, was very ha uh, happy in that, and about 27 years ago, um, a professor at UK asked me to help him for one year. He was uh, studying farmer health and hazards in Kentucky, and I thought, well, this is really interesting. And uh, he had witnessed a lot of uh, people in farming with injuries and, and um, health problems, and I thought, you know, I owe it to my own folks to, to really take that year out and help him get this study started. And one thing led to another. I wound up being a, um, an agricultural health nurse. Wow. So, and recently that has led to my appointment with uh, the College of Agriculture, Food, and Environment as the first agriculture nurse, I suppose, in a land-grant institution in the nation. Wow. So, yeah, so it's, it's just wonderful. Um, my, my 25 years or so previous to this has been research. So finally, I'm able to bring that research into practice and, uh, you know, to connect back again with the people I hold most dear, and those are the farmers and their families across the Commonwealth. So I appreciate this time of being able to, to share with you. This is a really, really important topic. Oh, I, I agree. And when you said you're the first, I'm really surprised that um, now you're the first, but have there been other states or, or land-grant institutions that have added this position? Well, not exactly this position as far as we know, but uh, there are, um, there's a growing number of nurses who are specializing in agricultural health nursing because uh, farmers have very unique health issues, and stress is only one of those. So mm -hmm. we, we do have sort of a critical mass, but most of those are in um, uh, the central U.S., uh, Iowa and Nebraska, some places like that, a growing number in North Carolina and Ohio. So we do have some nurses who had that specialized training but um i think i'm like the only one so far but i'm really trying hard to grow others yeah i mean as you mentioned that um i it sounds like a great fit i mean my, my exposure to farming is limited but um there's a definite need for it uh you know i was thinking about we used to joke in iowa because iowa in a lot of ways is like kentucky where um the medical center is in Iowa city and people come from all around to, uh, to get medical attention from Iowa. And I can't tell you, we, you know, we joke, you often see people missing fingers with a limp and um, these are farmers who were having accidents. And so from a, you know, from a work standpoint, we often, we always focus on safety and in these family run businesses, I don't know that that kind of safety is focused on that. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the link between the stress 
managing stress and then working safely. Those are, those are big deals and they're really connected. So you also said something else that, that kind of piqued my interest. You mentioned uh, research. Um, I'm a big fan of research. So what kind of research did you do? Well, farming uh, in, in America is a, what I call a cradle-to-grave industry. So 97% of our farms are still family-owned and operated. So most people are sort of like me. You know, they were born into farming. They grew up there. So I've done a lot of work um, about children on the farm, how to keep them safe, working with institutions like the Progressive Ag Foundation Safety Days, which is a remarkable organization. Uh, but then also reaching out to teenagers. Uh, we had a project called Ag Dare. And um, in that project, we went into high schools in the, in the uh, ag classes. But I'm a nurse, so I look at things a little bit differently than uh, engineers uh, mm -hmm. who pretty much dwell on the safety aspects of machinery and protective gear and things. I look at this more holistically. So anytime you have a health condition, uh, that leads to increased stress, and the outcome can be an injury. So it all works together. But most recently, I'm also a gerontologist by trade, so I love working with older people. And now that I am one, it's so easy. But uh, <laughs> and I like humor; you can tell that. So, um, so uh, the most recent uh, projects that I've had have been working with older farmers and farm couples, and getting them to make changes in their work behavior and reducing their stress. There's there's so much tension between generations on farms these days and the succession of the farmstead so helping them to look at things as a as a family unit um, mm -hmm. has been very helpful and we're using a theater now in kentucky and tennessee and this has just gone national so we use a farm dinner theater to address these types of issues it's, it's a lot of fun and they're making tremendous changes so sometimes we have to think outside the box a little bit so when you say farm dinner theater meaning it's a stage production dealing with these topics in particular to give uh, people to give the audience a different way to look at it. Well, yes, it's a stage production, but we um, we partner with local communities and the farmers themselves um, uh, tell us what they want to talk about, uh -huh. and uh, the farmers themselves are the actors. So um, it gets wow. to be, yeah, well, that's right. It's called a reader's theater, and it's uh, it's very popular. Um, it's a social night. We tout it as a date night for the families to get out, and that in itself is a stress reduction technique, just to be able to be out and laugh among your peers, laugh with each other, but yet have um, the theater is the format to have permission to talk about some of these sensitive topics that otherwise you wouldn't bring up. That is really creative and out of the box. Um, you know, you bring up something very interesting. Um, my wife's family has a family business um, in Maryland, and um, we have dove in a lot of research in terms of passing on businesses from generation to generation. And so I would imagine it's just as tricky passing on a family farm as it is passing on any other family-owned business because what the research basically says and it's interesting that you were the one that uh, went away and did something else is that um, you should parents who own a family business and this includes farms should make their kids go do something else then come back <laughs> it seems like there are some really interesting stories of um, essentially the second generation just runs the business into the ground <laughs> 
if they've been in it too long. Um, so interesting. I would imagine uh, farmers see the same thing. Um, so kind of neat. Well, we're up against a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, farming stress and some of the outlets that farmers can uh, have access to if they're dealing with stress. Our guest today is Dr. Deborah Reed. We'll be right back. This segment of Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You is sponsored by Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy, walking beside you during life's challenges, providing therapy for couples, families, and individuals. Find us on the web at www.jenkinscft.com. You are listening to Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You, and today we're talking about stress and farmers. And our guest is Dr. Deborah Reed. And uh, she's devoted quite a bit of research and quite a bit of her time now helping farmers work through stress productively. So, um, you know, stress is pretty sneaky. Uh, and even if you're not on the farm, there are certain signs that, uh, that you exhibit that you know there's stress. So I would imagine they're fairly similar in the farm community. So how would farmers know if they are under tremendous stress? Well, people are people. You're right about that. So whether you're in farming or you're in some other business, there's always stress. Of course, a little bit of stress is good for us. You know, I like to call it sweet stress, and that's, uh, you know, get your blood blood pumping a little bit and your heart rate up, and it actually can be helpful to you as you engage into something new and invigorating. But the problem is, is when there's too much stress or chronic stress, that it becomes distress, and that's bad for us. So that kind of stress are the and that's the kind of stress that we need to pay attention to, and um, the farmers themselves know they're under this stress. Um, it, they're coming; it's coming at them from all angles. Farming is so different than it used to be. My dad worried about the price of cattle at bluegrass stockyards. These farmers today have to worry about global markets, and you've already mentioned the effects of the tariffs. Uh, we don't know what the outcome's going to be. We do know that for the past seven quarters that Kentucky's farmers have uh, had a negative flow. So they've been, they've been uh, having that red ink on their, on their ledgers. Hmm. And, and they understand it. But it's not just the financial pressures, even though that's what's at the forefront right now. The whole culture uh, of farming has changed. It's um, it is not the um, let's help each other culture necessarily that we used to have, although that has not totally gone away. It's, um, it, it's a lot like other businesses now. So farmers have related to me that, you know, we, we're having to deal with changing values in farming, and that is also quite difficult. Um, they also have, um, they have a lot of, how can I put this and not alienate everyone, but I'll just say it the way it is. Uh, outside forces that think farmers are mistreating their animals, uh, they're doing bad things to the land. Uh, farmers are getting blamed for all kinds of cancer because of uh, runoff of chemicals from their land. And this is far from the truth because farmers... Farmers have a deep attachment to the land. They will take care of that land. They want to do best practices. But yet the public perception, and this is particularly um, bad on social media, is that farmers are horrible people. Hmm. So if you're viewed as a horrible person and you see billboards about this, pretty soon you get so beaten down by everybody that the stress can become overwhelming quickly. Yeah. 
so um, I do know that um, some of the things that are really affected by stress, and I imagine this farmers would see this too, is if uh, you can't sleep, if uh, your appetite is disrupted, either with overeating or undereating, um, not being able to relax, are these kind of the similar same kind of symptoms or signs you see out of farmers? You'll absolutely see those. Uh, you also um, you also see them starting to make mistakes out on the farm because yeah. they can't remember things because their mind is so bogged down with dealing with the stress issue. Maybe not. Maybe they don't know they're dealing with the stress issue, but their body and their chemicals that they're producing in their body are dealing with that. So it impairs them in so many ways. And and actually, stress is the leading cause for farm injury now, both fatal and non-fatal. Really? So there's just emerging research on this because it's it's a very difficult thing to uh, to actually do research on it. Right. But we we do know that that you know it all goes together. So too much stress are causing all kinds of bad outcomes. But here's the thing, Toby. Um, farmers have always been perceived, and they self believe that they can handle anything by themselves. You mentioned oh, yeah. all the mechanical things and all that. I watched all that happen when you know with with my siblings and with my parents but um, that's just not so um, mm. we can't handle everything by ourselves all the time yeah you know now from a um, are you dealing with mostly men in this uh, with the dem- uh, people you work with ironically I am not really? um, okay no because farms are family run and operated Mm -hmm. so while most of the attention has been on the male farmer uh, and rightly so as far as suicide prevention because we do know we have data from uh, four years out of the last uh, uh, 10 or so in Kentucky and we had 100 documented farmer suicides in this state wow 98 of those were male so the, the most negative outcome uh, yes, it's predominantly among the males in our state, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, stress injury, as I call it going on among farm families. So we have no, um, no data whatsoever on the number of attempts, uh, by farmers or their families in Kentucky, yeah. but the women, um, historically on farms have kept the books. So they might be the first ones to know when the farmer's getting into trouble. They don't want to share that. So farm women don't talk about this either. And neither wow. do the children. Hmm. That's kind of the, um, just from a mental health standpoint, there's still that stigma that um, if I need help, especially if you're a man, which is part of the reason I got into this work, that uh, there's something wrong with me or only people that are crazy um, go get help. And so um, that, I think that stigma is ero- eroding somewhat, but it's still out there. And my perception of the farm community, it's still very much a, kind of a macho culture. And um, I guess where I've come to with this is that we, as men, we're socialized to ignore these emotions and feelings and stressors, but um, they affect us. They, they affect us a lot. And um, it doesn't mean that you are, are weak or less of a man if you need to go talk to someone about uh, how you're feeling, especially with some of the stressors that uh, farmers um are under, especially the financial stresses. So, um, so it's interesting. The so in the accidents that you talked about that go back to stress, how how is that determined um, to be a stress a stress caused injury? 
Um, basically, uh, through forensics, and we wow. can look back and uh, and do an analysis to say, okay, what was going on? What uh, is this a different pattern? Is this something that the farmer was familiar with doing and then all of a sudden couldn't do? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not an exact science. Uh, we just have to put the pieces back together. But let me go back to that comment you made about men not asking things. You know, to me, real men ask directions. No. Oh, real men ask directions because you have such a better outcome. So when we're talking about men on the farm, uh, you know, if they realize they're getting into into some issues with stress and all, um, seeking out someone else who can just listen. Uh, the power of listening and uh, is is so valuable. And uh, Dave Maples, Dave wouldn't mind me sharing this because he has in public meetings, is the president of the Kentucky Cattlemen's Association. And I've been in a lot of meetings with him. And he said, you know, usually what happens was we talk, farmers come in, we talk about the you know, price of cattle, best time to buy and sell. He said, now they're coming in and they're saying, I don't know if I can make it another day. Wow. And he said, I'm not trained to do this, but I must listen. And he does listen. So it's not just one commodity that they're stressed right now. It's it's not just the soybean farmers. It's not just our dairy farmers who are under a tremendous amount of financial pressure with their markets essentially gone this year. Yeah. Um, it's It's all farmers. So being able to listen, you don't have to be trained to listen. You just need an ear. Yeah. So everyone can do that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I do teach, I teach a class where people go into this kind of work. And one of the, um, one of the lines I, I, I make really clear with them is the difference between being a friend and being a professional helper. And when, when our friends come to us, we generally want to make them feel better. And, and that's a natural thing to do. But like you said, listening is way more important. And so one of the things we, we practice in this class setting is professionally, how do you listen and resist the urge to fix? Because often when we fix, we don't let that person express everything that they're going through because we want them to feel better immediately. And so you're right, it does take training and it's different than being a peer or a friend because we naturally want our friends to feel better immediately. Um, yeah, that's, um, hmm. So yeah, that's interesting and that's, um, I mean, that's a good good sign of the times that, that farmers are feeling more open to expressing that and seeking out help. Um, so uh, one of the other ways I see people deal with stress is um, substance abuse. Do you see any of that kind of uh, behavior with farmers as well? Well, of course, we, you know, we lead the nation in uh in substance abuse, not a not a statistic we're proud of at all, and I'm sure that does permeate the farm culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not personally seen an uptick in that, but then again, we're not tracking that really. Yeah. So, in the statistics, you know, that I gave you earlier, farmer suicide, um, I haven't drilled down into those reports to see what might have been behind it or toxicology reports, but you know. We all deal with stress in different ways, and I'm sure there are farmers out there who who turn to alcohol and drugs to help deal with this because farmers aren't really different from the general population. Right. You know, and I don't know how the children are dealing with this, but I can give you a story from years ago. I had a colleague who uh, worked at the children's hospital here at UK, and uh, they had a 15-year-old girl there with an eating disorder to the point where she was almost, you know, 
ready to die from it. Mm. When they finally got her to tell her story, she said she had gone downstairs and she had seen mom and dad pouring over the farm books. And she felt that if they had one less mouth to feed, they might be able to keep the farm. That still brings goosebumps to me. So we have to look at this on farms as a family unit. It affects everyone. Even the toddlers are affected. If you have stress, your child has stress. Yes. So for your audience, I'd like to say, you know, pay attention to your family and, uh, and watch for those signs. Be together. Laugh together. It's so important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is important. Uh, and we'll have more on that after this commercial break because I really like to connect uh, family, uh, family stress and family therapy with this topic because you brought up something really important. You're listening to Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and Youth, and we'll be right back after this break. This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You, and this is One Minute Insight. Many of you are aware of the fight or flight response that's built into all of us. Before we were civilized, it's this response that kept us out of danger. If we heard a noise in the, in the distance, we could very quickly react to keep ourselves safe if it was a, was a, a saber-toothed tiger. What many people kind of don't know is that this response is still in us today and that everyday situations can trigger that response. And so there's some very key uh, physiological things that happen when we are triggered that way. Number one, we release um, cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and adrenaline. And adrenaline is what gives you the ability to get away quickly. So when you're in a conflict situation and your body has this response, your rational brain shuts off and you go into primitive brain, which is about survival. So then resolving, resolving issues in a, in a productive way gets harder and harder. So in therapy, when I see these responses, I am trying to de-escalate the energy in the room and bring everyone back into the rational brain. And you too can do this too by taking timeouts if you're just responding and not listening, and if you're in attack mode, take timeouts. And we're back. This is Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and Youth. And we're talking about uh, farmers and stress. And before the break, we were talking, we're discussing uh, with my guest, Dr. Deborah Reed, um, some of the ways that stress affects the family. And, you, you know, you brought up a story about a child making a conscious decision to stop eating in order to help the, uh, help the family uh, have one less mouth to feed. And, you know, I, I would imagine, uh, well, I don't imagine, but one of the other ways you know you're being, being stressed is when there's tension and more conflict and poor conflict resolution in the family. There have been some really interesting studies from a, uh, from a family therapy standpoint of how children can become the barometer for what's going on in the family and in the marriage. And in particular, I always find this fascinating, that uh, children will unconsciously make decisions. Like, say, the, I'll use the example, let's say there's, there's marriage conflict, and children will unconsciously take on behaviors 
to get the parents to stop fighting each other and work together to resolve their issue. And so it's not something that happens consciously, but it's something to keep your eye on if, uh, you know, you're snapping at each other, someone's always mad, um, or if your child starts behaving in ways that's um, just unpredictable and way out of character. Those are all kind of things to uh, keep your eye on if your family's under a lot of stress. You also mentioned earlier, I'd also like to make a connection between chronic stress, and there have been some ties to chronic stress and chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, um, obesity, and those kind of things. All are, are beginning to be tied back to back to stress. So, um, so uh, what if farmers... If they don't have someone to talk to, what do farmers usually do about their stress that they feel? Well, farmers have this tremendous work ethic. So one of the ways they deal with their stress is to work harder or work longer or to isolate themselves more. And I always say, um, you know, everybody says, well, farming is done privately, you know, on your own land and you're, no one's with you. But it is the most public job there is because everyone can see the effects of your labor just yeah. as they drive down the road. Mm -hmm. So it's really not all that isolated except for the fact that you, you may not be around people all day. You may be around your animals. So how do farmers deal with that stress other than working harder and longer? Uh, they have the same manifestations of anyone. They may uh, they may change their eating behaviors. Mm -hmm. They may uh, they may withdraw from the family, become angry. Uh, one of the ways that we have seen some things manifested is, um, and this is when it gets really troubling to us. If they change their behavior uh, toward their uh, farm commodities. And, uh, you know, we've even seen a little bit of, uh, you know, take it out on the animals. I can't take it out on other people. Yeah. That's, that's, really a, that's really a red flag. Or, you know, going out and just turning your, turning your crop under the ground. You know, I'm done with this. So they lash out at the very thing that they feel is causing their stress. So when farmers start lashing out against the land, uh, it's exceptionally troubling because their attachment to the land is probably second only to their attachment to their family. Yeah. Wow. You know, um, from that standpoint, um, the rule of thumb, at least from a therapy standpoint, is that you see men lash out and you see women uh, turn it inward towards themselves. Um, each are, you know, easy, it's kind of a sterile. Well, the data kind of backs it up, but it's kind of a stereotypical uh, response. Um, you know, you mentioned stress and working harder, which is a natural uh, natural reflex. But one of the counterintuitive uh, things I'm, I've become more in tune to is what I would call intentional renewal. And it's it's basically planning to do things that bring you joy, happiness, um, and, uh, fun. And so, you know, personally, when I have a lot of work to do, I would do the same thing, but I've learned that there are certain things I need to do just for my own mental health and, um, that fulfill me. And I try to do those things weekly just to keep me balanced. Um, and so, um, I use that as a technique of managing stress for clients that come see me. 
And they always look at me and say, this doesn't make any sense. But you get to a point where you're not productive anymore. And so no need to uh, keep working. It's not going get to any, get any better. Um, what are some of the ways that, um, that you help farmers uh, combat the stress? Yeah, so, so here's the really great message to get across to farmers because farmers um, are pretty tight-fisted, particularly if they're in financial straits. You know what? This doesn't cost a thing. It will not cost you one dime, and it will have great payoffs. And you just hinted to it, you know, find the things that make you happy. Um, making you happy, people, farmers tell me, I mean, to a farmer, they have said to me, I can't imagine not farming. Um, I'd rather die than not farm. So mm-hmm. some of them actually do die because they're farming or, um, you know, all these generations before me have been farmers and it is wired in our DNA now, but you have to not feel guilty about taking time for yourself. That might be going down to the pond on the farm, building a bonfire, uh, watching the sunset. It only takes an hour of your time and take your family with you or don't take them with you. Sometimes you need time to yourself. Find enjoyment where you are because farmers can't necessarily always get away for vacation, although they should write that in their budget on the farmland and get away for a little while um, just, just to laugh. I mean, we even have research that shows if you just take five slow, deep breaths, you are reducing your cortisol level. <laughs> So, yeah, so this is not anything that's rocket science. Mm -hmm. It's just that Americans have been um, brainwashed into thinking if we're not doing something that's financially productive every second, we are wasting time. And that is not true. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, the the simple exercise I use is I draw basically a a four-square grid with physical, mental, emotional, and then like intellectual or spiritual and then I have clients um, put the activity and then how many of these categories does this activity uh, encompass and so Mm -hmm. the thing that encompasses all of them those are the things you should do on some regular basis like you said because they'll fulfill you and make you more productive and happier so like for me uh, running is one of those things Um, I have uh, Running has become less about the distance or my time and just more about that clearing my head, getting my thoughts together, and just almost meditating. And uh, golf is, is the other thing, which <laughs> kind of does that for me. And, uh, but, you know, running, like you said, doesn't really cost much money at all outside of having shoes and maybe some gear. And you don't argue you don't really need that. But, um, you know, my own personal mental health, I find that if I stop running, um, I, I'm almost like one of those golden retrievers where i got to get out and do something. <laughs> <laughs> well, most farmers would laugh at you and say, I run enough. Yeah. But we do know, really, in this modern time, farmers um, don't get the physical exercise that they really need to stay healthy. So that's not too far off base. They might not want to buy a pair of Nikes and get out there and run. But did you know that farmers are now doing Tai Chi and yoga? Really? That's awesome. Now put that picture in your head, folks. But, but, you know, again, it costs nothing. It's relaxing. So I'm not saying you have to go out and, you know, sign up for one of these classes. But you do need to find something to relax you. And building in... Farmers are notorious for packing their schedules tighter than the 24 hours they have. 
Mm -hmm. So just remembering to build in some time for those uh, disasters that we know are going to come up. You know, the tire is going to go flat on the hay wagon. And then doing preventive things on the farm also reduces your stress. So before um, the really busy times, uh, check that equipment out. Make sure everything's in good operating condition. Those simple measures not only help you financially, but they will also help reduce your stress because you're less likely to have uh, those breakdowns in the fields. So sometimes it's just good um, surveillance of what you have uh, in your farming uh, operation too. True, true. You know, you mentioned something earlier um, around farmers doing that thing that uh, helps um, help sustain them. And you, there's a there's a shame, there's a shame aspect of that that I think is common because when I do this with clients, they wanna they wanna say the right thing. Like for instance, I want to spend time with my wife and kids, and that feels like the right thing to do. But that may not be the thing that helps you renew. And so you, you have to set aside the shame issue. So it means going to the pond by yourself. Don't feel bad about that. If that's what helps you, you should do that and not kind of give the, the right answer. Yeah. You can always write it off in your head as I'm checking the water levels or making sure that the algae is not in bloom. So there are ways, there are ways to let yourself off the hook, but farmers need, they need permission to themselves and from others to do this. And that's why these, uh, the peer group that you talked about early on, oh, those kind of things are so important. We don't have the old uh, country stores anymore for farmers to sit and chew the fat as we used to call it. As a matter of fact, farmers don't even go to the stockyards anymore because they do everything online. They buy their cattle online. Wow. So the community has changed so much that, uh, you know, the old stereotype of farmer is, is long gone. I mean, these are, these are highly trained business people. And the young farmers uh, are right now at such an elevated risk for the stress. They're trying to take over maybe the family farm or even worse, they're trying to break into farming and that takes a lot of capital investment. Yeah. So if, if we look at the suicides that actually occur, it's, uh, it's, on, it's, it's kind of a two-fold thing. It's very high at the younger end of farming, 25 to the 35-year-olds that are trying to get into it. Very, very high at the older end, which it is for the general population too. But we're worried about these young farmers because they have not experienced this financial downturn, which always happens in cycles in farming. So right. they don't see their way out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're up against a commercial break, and we'll come back to this point. I think this is a real. You hit on a couple of things that I think are really uh, maybe we should explore a little more. Um, but we'll be back with more with Dr. Deborah Ree. And we're talking about stress and farming, and you're listening to Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You. We'll be right back. This segment of Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You is sponsored by the Parker Relationship Center, working to better relationships for individuals, couples, and families. Find us on the web at www.relationshipcenterky.com. You're listening to Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You. My guest today is Dr. Deborah Reed, and we're talking about uh, farmers and stress. And one of the interesting things you brought up early before the last uh, commercial break um, is how technology has changed the community aspect of farming. I, I heard a, um, a <coughs> me, I'll edit that out. Um, I heard an interesting sermon a couple years back. 
and it revolved around the uh, automatic garage door opener. And the point was, before we had garage door openers, it gave you a reason to get out of your car and perhaps interact with your neighbor. Yeah. But I think about, you know, after he, after he said that, I was like, hey, you're so right. I go in my garage, I close it and go in the house. <laughs> and, um, and it, you know, took me back to my childhood where whoever drew the smallest straw had to go open the door. <laughs> <laughs> that was our job as kids. But, um, you know, it's fascinating that uh, even buying cattle online, um, that I, that's, a, that's pretty amazing. So, um, so do you see a, a generational divide between how the work is done now versus how it may have been? Um, maybe 20, 30 years ago and how that's affecting community? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, any farmer who wants to stay financially solvent today has to move with the times, which is why my 72-year-old brother purchased a computer, learned how to use it, and now buys his bulls online. So, uh, you know, people keep up because they have to in any mm -hmm. job. Uh, the young ones, though, um, most of our young farmers have, have been to the university and they are college educated and, you know, they, they are of the technology era. So they want to do that from the word go. Now, if you're farming intergenerationally, maybe grandpa doesn't want you to do all of this stuff yet because it's going to cost money. The young ones get frustrated because they know they have to do it to be financially solvent. And grandpa just needs to get with the times. So there, automatically, you have this friction come up. Sure. Yeah, I'm even amazed um, from a, you know, from a therapist standpoint, there are people that I will never talk to before they show up in my office. And we've had several iterations of communication, and it's all electronic. And um, now I've grown comfortable with it, but I often I often get the sense, well, how, how do they know I'm the right therapist for them? Is it the way I type back? Is it something I didn't use emojis? I mean, what is it? But, um, you know, you mentioned buying, um, buying cattle line. Um, we've explored just for our family um, a couple of um, services where you can buy parts of a cow online. <laughs> and it's really neat. <laughs> Some of them are really detailed. Kind of hard on the cow, though. I mean, yeah. but, um, you know, it's a way of going from farm to table. Um, and so when you, when you log in, it'll say this cow will be available in three weeks and this is what's left. And it blew me away. And I thought, well, that's an awesome innovation. But once again, I've never had a conversation with them. I just go online and boom, the meat shows up, which is kind of cool. <laughs> and it has its effect. So, so, um, so one of, the mo one of the more important things I like to do with this show is make sure that um, I not just talk, we're not just talking about problems, but, uh, but resources and um, places farmers can go if they are feeling stressed. So what are some of the resources that are available for helping uh, farmers that are under a lot of stress? Well, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, talk about the number one fully accessible resource and to my knowledge, I don't know of a farmer that does not pray at some point in time mm -hmm. because um, farming and nature are so connected and farmers have no control over nature. 
So they pray a lot. Please let it dry up enough for me to get the crop out. I mean, if even if you're not a faith-based person, you'll you'll pray if you're a farmer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, having that faith rooted somewhere, uh, a higher power that you can reach out to, is uh, is anchoring to the individual and to the families. So I would say first and foremost, there is your own personal faith. Reach out to uh, your local resources. Who do you usually turn to in these kinds of matters? Uh, it might be uh, a church. It might be a group of people, uh, such as a Cattlemen's Association or your fellow soybean farmers. Uh, reach out to those people. Reach out to those role models that you have because they've been through this. And uh, they, they want to help. And it gives them gratification, too. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of trained professionals in these rural areas, so it may be an online approach to someone. But there are there's a couple of really, really good resources, and I know this is a radio show, so we can't flash the full thing up there. But years ago, there was a clinical psychologist, Dr. Mike Roseman, uh, out in Harlan, Iowa, and he developed a program called Agri Wellness. That's A G R I W E. L-L-N-E-S-S. And it was meant to really support farmers through some hard times in the Midwest. But this developed a life of its own. So if you just Google agri-wellness, that will pop up. They have a free newsletter each month. Dr. Roseman and his group are very um, accessible. Um, And he is a farmer, too. So he understands. Sort of like I'm a nurse that's from a farm family, so I understand these kind of things. Mm -hmm. So I'd say agri-wellness is the number one online resource that farmers can access anonymously. There are also some programs out of the University of Minnesota and also um, North Dakota that uh, that farmers can access and just go online and in the privacy of your own home, learn some stress reduction techniques from, from fellow farmers and from people who are familiar with this. You can always access me too because that's what I'm hired to do as Kentucky's Ag Nurse. Um, our extension folks are doing a lot better uh, now. Um, talking about stress issues, uh, we are preparing our extension personnel across Kentucky to be aware of when a farmer might come in and you might think, oh, I think we're dealing with some stress. How do we get them to local resources within our community? Very important. Farming is the most wonderful occupation on the face of the earth. It is the oldest occupation on the face of the earth. We love it and we want to do it well. We need the public to get behind us and realize that we are good people that we want to give you safe and healthy food, and we do that better than anyone in the world. So, you know, give a farmer a high five once in a while. (laughs) You know, otherwise you're going to get rotten apples and bad soybeans. So come on, folks, give us a break. So outside of the high fives, are there specific things that the public can do to help? Absolutely. Um, It would be nice if if the public would uh, kind of respond to farmers once in a while like they do to to the EMTs or the police officers, you know, put up a billboard and say, you know, Muhlenberg County thanks our farmers for this wonderful food and what you do. And, you know, farmers bring in $5 billion to Kentucky every year. This is a big industry. If you start losing farmers in Kentucky, we will lose our economic base. So there's a other reasons other than the feel-good reason to to reach out to farmers. Uh, March is far, has a Farmer Appreciation Week in it. That'd be a great time uh, just to, to let your local farmers know. Find out who your commodity groups are in your um, 
in your local area and just reach out to those farmers during that time. Run a thing in the local newspaper saying, you know, we love our farmers. Thanks for doing such a good job. Simple things mean a lot. Mm-hmm. How about buying local? That's something that, that I've been starting to see in my grocery stores. Um, how, I'm sure that has the help. Is that something else the public can do? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, farmers that grow produce uh, or even like you were talking about the meat venues, there are so many of those now. Um, a lot of farmers are going into those small business operations like that. So if you can buy local, why would you not buy local when you know where that food's been produced yeah. and what's been on it? Um, and it's fresh. So that's good for all of us. Yeah, I, I, that's the part I appreciate. Um, the vegetables are wonderful. <laughs> they will taste very different if they're plucked from the ground this morning or even this week compared to if they've been on a, a truck for over a week or even a month to get here. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, well Debbie, um, thank you for joining the show today. This has been really informative. Now, I want to go over one more time to make sure that my, my listeners uh, know where to get resources. So on Facebook, you can find Debbie at facebook.com agricultural.nurse. The other website you mentioned was at agri-wellness, A-G-R-I-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, .com. And... Um, you know, we didn't really, uh, you talked a little bit about extension. Um, how, uh, how could farmers or people that need, re- need extension help, how can they get in touch with uh, extension in their community? Oh, our extension resources are, are, are a gem for Kentucky in every county. So um, this issues of stress is something that's reaching across programs uh, with our agricultural agents, with our uh, 4-H agents, and with our family and consumer science agents. So they are working together. And if, uh, if you go to extension and say, you know, gee, we're really worried about farmer stress in our community. What can we do to help? Um, they can get together, and there are programs already in place that they can they can bring to the community. Um, they can access me uh, to serve as a resource for them. Awesome. Very, very good. Well, Debbie, thank you for taking the time out and um, giving us all this wonderful wonderful information. And uh, keep up the good work. You're making a real big difference in the state. Thank you, Toby. I appreciate it. And go farmers. <laughs> yeah, go farmers. You've been listening to Paradigms, Insights into Relationships in You, And next, we'll have some listener mail. You've got mail. You've got mail. You've got mail. This week's listener mail comes from JT. It reads, I've been married to my wife for 32 years. For the last eight, she's had very little interest in being intimate, and I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. I'm not the kind of guy to get it elsewhere, but I'd be lying if I said it hasn't crossed my mind. The guilt would kill me, and this has caused a lot of conflict in our marriage recently. My wife went through menopause a few years back. Is this something that therapy can help with? I'm going to try to give a short answer for what could be a complex situation. The first place to start would be with a medical examination, preferably with an OBGYN. And your OGBYN will be, OBGYN will be looking for uh, physical uh, issues in the female reproductive system or hormonal issues that can get in the way of wanting to be intimate. If physically and hormonally uh, your wife is okay, then talk therapy is a good place to start. You'd be surprised to know that roughly 20% of American marriages are sexless, 
And sexless is defined as being intimate one time or less per month. And couples generally don't get there uh, overnight. It, they usually gradually slide into these habits. And then being intimate gets harder and harder uh, for, both for both people in the couple. Especially if uh, one or both are having some type of physical um, ailments related to aging. So talk therapy is very effective. More than likely, your therapist that you go to will start with issues of desire and then also ask you to um, make sure that you are doing the things that create the environment that are helpful and positive for you and your wife to be intimate. Oftentimes, this, this starts with uh, what I would call baby steps towards being intimate. But however, um, find a good sex therapist and generally the results are really good. Good luck. about today's guest or future episodes, you can find that on the web at www.paradigmradioshow.com. You can also get weekly one-minute insight on Instagram at toby underscore paradigmradioshow.com. And if you would like to tell us about a therapy story or pose a question to be answered on air, you can email me at toby at paradigmradioshow.com. Thank you for tuning into Paradigm, insights into relationships and you with Toby Jenkins. Join us again.